0: How are you guys doing today? Good? Awesome. want to welcome everybody to church today. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. For those of you that do not know me, I want to welcome everybody that is watching us right now online. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. I am not preaching this week. I needed a break from that series, that powerful, powerful series that we had, the curse and the blessing. Uh, Man, last week, this service, uh, we had about 95% of people come down to the altar to receive a Father's blessing. I don't don't know if you can feel it, but God is doing something. And and I'm going to go through it next week as we kick off a brand new series next week called The Advantage. We're going to be going deep dive uh, series on the Holy Spirit. And, And Matt, it is going to be so powerful. And I'm going to walk us through the roadmap that the Holy Spirit has been leading us up to this series coming up starting next week. And last week, before, uh, I was praying and before I spoke, I spoke out revival. Uh, the Lord's like, you need to begin to speak it up. You need to speak out, uh, you need to speak out, uh, what, what God has placed on our miracles. He's like, speak out miracles, speak out breakthrough. And, and, uh, after second service, uh, or after first service today, um, uh, I don't know if you guys know Didi, uh, but she has been, she had severe uh, hearing loss for about 15 years in her left ear and a constant ringing in her ear. And she got prayer uh, after first service in the prayer cove and she now can hear out of both ears, the ringing is gone. Come on, guys, God, listen, listen. I I need you guys to to get excited. I I need you to, to... come expecting like like guys this is a sign that god's like i'm getting ready to do something i'm getting ready to pour out i'm getting ready excited for the series coming up come on i want you to be excited for our our speaker today. I'm not going to call her a guest anymore because she's a sister. She comes all the time. She is part of us. And I'm going to tell you right now, she has a fire message that is going to touch you today. So come on, give your best PLC welcome to Nicole.
1: (laughs) PLC family. Oh my goodness. I say it every time and I mean it every time. I love this house. I love this place. It is like a home away from home for me. And I love you guys. Our dear friends, my husband and I, um, God's just brought uh, your pastors into our life. And um, what, a, what an honor to get to partner together in this way. And I, I want to encourage you from somebody who's been in the ministry, um, in the pastoral ministry context for about 15 years, my husband and I, we've gone through some things. And it's lonely sometimes. It's hard sometimes. You've got a target on your back because when you are literally storming hell and bringing people to heaven, the enemy will stop at nothing to steal, kill, and destroy. And so can I challenge you, church? To love on your pastors, to pray for them, to think the best about them, to assume the best, and to serve them well. Can I encourage you? Because there are so many times where I have just been like, man, uh, previously, especially now I love what I get to do. I get to help pour into other people's churches. Uh, but you know, sometimes I'm like, man, does anybody even care? Like, I'm just being honest right? And so, love you guys. Love seeing your devotion to this house, the way you sow seeds of just faith and prayer and fasting over you guys. Can we just honor your pastors? So, I believe that God has given me a word, one for myself. I needed this today. Also, I believe that there are some hearts in here. My prayer, my ultimate prayer, is that all of us, wherever we are, whether we are in a really good place, praise God for sometimes being in a good place, right? Whether we're in the mountaintop, good place, we're kind of in the middle, things are so-so, maybe we're waiting, or we are at rock bottom. Wherever we are in our faith, we are called to a next step. Do you hear me, church? Wherever we are in our faith... Let us never get complacent in the good times. We are called to a next step. And so I pray that today's message, an unlikely hero, I pray that we will be stirred towards kingdom action. So the definition of the word hero, uh, per Google, is defender, protector. It's a person of distinguished courage or ability admired for his or her noble qualities. It's derived from the Hebrew uh, root word gabar, which means courage. Now, thinking about heroes, when we picture heroes, right? And specifically, let's take it in our context, in our lane, heroes of the faith, heroes for God's kingdom. It's really easy for us to say and look at others and be like, man, they're heroes of the faith, right? Right? They're doing awesome things for God. And whether we just don't take the time to actually think about it, because life is busy and crazy, whatever, or there's drama, or you just, whatever reasons, we don't tend to really look at ourselves and think, man, I am a hero of the faith, or I'm called to be a hero of the faith, right? And I think one of the reasons why this happens is because here in our social media culture, what can happen? Comparison right? Somebody out there, comparison. How many people do you follow that the tendencies in every area of our life is we're like, oh my goodness, we get our eyes, right? We get our eyes off of what God is calling us to, the family he's called us to, the ministry he's called us to, the children he's called us to, and we look at somebody else and we're like, wow, look at them. Look at what they have. Look at what vacation they went on. Look at what friends they have, Right? And we can do this comparison thing. And you know what the enemy wants to do with that? The enemy wants us to start looking at other people and their highlight reels and their life and everything they're doing and comparing the things we know about ourselves. Right? The things that aren't getting posted, the things we know. And the enemy wants us to take our worst and the things we aren't and the things we wish were different and start comparing to someone else's highlight reel. Right? Well, first, we were never called to run their race. Amen? We were called to run the one God has given us. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, and I've been there before, The enemy wants to keep us from stepping, from taking that next step of our faith, whatever God is calling us to do. We all have purpose for the kingdom of God, and the enemy wants us to focus on what we aren't and what we don't have. When I was about to publish the Joseph Bible study, I had a specific moment in time where I was like, does the world need another study? Like, for real. I was comparing myself, and I don't know who your favorites are, but I was like, oh, look at Charlotte Gamble and Jensen Franklin and Priscilla, and the more I looked at them, the less I felt about myself, right? Anybody do that? Anybody do that? Because the enemy wants us to focus on what we are not and what we don't have to keep us from stepping into our kingdom purpose. And so today, we're going to look at a real person in the Bible somebody's real life who was a hero. They were a hero of the faith. But the truth is, when we unpack the story, when we really look at this person's life, they were an unlikely hero. And I don't know what your background is, I'm so grateful that this is a church that's welcome to everyone, wherever you're, if you're coming in the shallow end of the pool, right? There's a place for you, but we want to take you deep, right? But like, we're glad you're here if you've never ever heard some of these Bible stories we're talking about today. And if you have heard them before, I hope you unlearn them and learn them in a new way today, all right? And so we're going to be talking about This guy who was like the goat of the prophets, he was like the greatest of all time, one of the greatest of all times, he did something kind of big, kind of a big, he was kind of a big deal, guys. He parted the Red Sea. You know who I'm talking about? Moses. Talking about Moses. And so I don't know what picture comes to your mind when we talk about Moses. I don't know if it's the the Ben-Hur movie. Anybody see the Ben-Hur movie? And he's got the like white hair and he's coming down with the um, Ten Commandments. Or you picture Moses like, let my people go, right? That Moses with the um, plagues and just like, listen, we could talk all day. The burning bush. I don't know what comes to mind when you think about Moses. We can talk about his victories. We can talk about his successes. We can talk about the way God used him. But you know what I love so much about the Bible? You know what I love so much about God's word and how it truly relates to us? I love this story because Moses wasn't born great. You hear me? Moses wasn't set up for success. He wasn't born this awesome hero with a life paved for him. His life wasn't easy. And so instead of taking a highlight reel of the Bible even, and right, we can do that with scripture. We can be like, look at all these things they've done. And without even thinking about it, we could be like, I couldn't do that. Like, for real, I think some of us limit what we can do because we look at others and we say, I couldn't do that. But today, somebody's going to be stirred in this place because you're going to relate to his his, uh, hesitancies, the obstacles, his past he had to overcome. You're going to be able to relate. And my heart's prayer, and I believe God's desire, is that when you hear all that he had to go through, you're going to be like, oh, man, if he can do it, so can I. Amen? Amen. So we're going to look at the story of an unlikely hero named Moses. And for, for Moses, the odds were stacked against him before he was even born. All right? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 1. And this, um, just some historical context, where we're at in Exodus is, this is a period of history where uh, two people's groups were living together at one point harmoniously. They had a good relationship, Egypt and the Israelites. God had placed Joseph there for that time for his people. But what happened is uh, that king died and then a new king, a new Pharaoh came into power. And as regimes change, uh, so did everything else. And so that's where we pick it up in Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says, Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come. We must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, they're going to join our enemies and fight against us or leave the country. So he, this new king, is now threatened by the the growing people of God. All right? So you know what he does? He says in verse 11, so they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And then they made them build some things. And then verse 12, but the more they were... Oppressed. Say oppressed, please, in this place. The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. I want to stop here for a second because God spoke a powerful word to my heart that I needed this week. And I believe somebody here needs it as well. To be oppressed means the feeling Of being heavily burdened, mentally or physically, by troubles, adverse conditions, or anxiety. Is someone in here feeling heavy? Are you feeling burdened for yourself, for a loved one, for a child? Are you feeling just mentally exhausted? Are you kind of frazzled and stressed? Are you physically worn out? Is somebody in here feeling heavy, hardened? Are you like riddled with anxiety? I have good news for you and for me today. Because it's not our surroundings that determine whether we thrive in the kingdom of God. We can be oppressed but still multiply in the kingdom of God. Look at what uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians. And somebody write this down, highlight this, and read this out loud every single day this week. We need to declare the word of God to uh, set free some To speak truth over us, to set us free from some lies we've been believing. So I want you to declare this over your life this week. 2 Corinthians 4 7. We have this treasure in us. We're the jars of clay. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. Listen, church, we are hard pressed on every side. You ever feel like the bad news, or the frustrating news, or the things just keep happening. It's like you can't catch a break. Anybody been there? You can't catch your breath. It's like, Somebody does something and maybe they hurt you or whatever, and then you hope to get encouragement from here, but you end up in another fight, and then the kids aren't behaving, and then you get that phone call, and it just feels like you're getting attacked from every side. Anybody been there before? You can be hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. You hear me? You can be perplexed. You can not know what's going on, have questions, but we don't have to despair with the power in us. We can be persecuted. You know what the truth is? Sometimes people say stuff and it's not very kind. May God shut our mouths when we're about to say something unkind about each other. People can persecute each other. It happens all the time, all right? We can be persecuted, but you know what? We will never be abandoned. Our God is our defense, amen? There are times when we just need to shut our mouths and let God defend us because that's the best defense we can have. He is our, if somebody needs us today, if you're feeling oppressed, if you're feeling heavy, God is our shelter. God is our righteous right arm, our, the stronghold of our life. Read through the songs, claim it psalms, claim it over your life. The Lord is our strength and our shield, our ever-present help in time of trouble. We are never abandoned. We can be struck down but we are not destroyed. This is good news by God's power, guys. With the treasure in us, his power, he can be glorified even in the heavy times in our life. And it is about time that the enemy dreads messing with our lives. Right? It's about time. So, this king, even though he's threatened by the uh, Israelites, they keep growing, they keep multiplying. And so, you know, he takes drastic measures and he does something very evil. And his complete disregard for human life is, is just appalling as it is to this day. He makes a decree that every single baby Hebrew boy that is born, he's like, they're growing, we're gonna have population control. Every single baby boy that is born as soon as it's born, go drown it in the Nile. It's atrocious. It's awful. But this is the reality. Listen, if you've heard this Bible story before, let's learn it again. Because why? Why does this matter? I'm going to say this over and over in this message. It's not just a Bible story. This is a real story of someone's life who did great things for God, but had to overcome a ton of obstacles. And so somebody needs to relate in this place. So you say, what does this have to do with Moses? Well. His parents were part of the Levites who were part of the Israelite tribe. And so this decree was made when he was, uh, during the time he was conceived. So as Moses was conceived, he was condemned. You hear that? As Moses was conceived before he was even born, his story wasn't set up for success, was it? Some of us, some of you may feel like you come from less than ideal backgrounds, families, past that never ever has to stop us. Somebody needs to hear this today. It doesn't matter what past you've come from. Look at what our hero had to go through. So, so I'm going to just kind of paraphrase what happens because again, this is a real story, a real life. So if your par- parents in the room, put your hand up. If you're a parent in the room, I want you to picture this as your child, right? Like, it's not the flannel graph story. This is your child, right? Picture, put yourself in, in this situation because what happens is, you know, mama's baby's, uh, mama's, uh, the baby's grown in mama's belly and they're probably freaking out. If, if, a, if a soldier or a Egyptian slave driver walks by after the baby's born, the baby cries, what happens? Immediately, they go in, take the baby out and they kill the baby. So they are, scared like that doesn't even you know that doesn't even like define that's not the right word they're 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 like where would you be doing everything they can to hide this baby but babies cry right I don't know about yours mine cried so like they were they were hiding the baby afraid for dear life and so what happened is yeah you know some of you know this story they put the baby in a basket and sent it down the river no no not no, like for real What gets you to the place where you feel like that is your only hope of survival? That you put your about three-month-old baby helpless in a basket, put them down the river, and you're like, dear God, save him. Like, they felt that's where his life began. Do you hear this? Pick it up in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 5. So the mom has just sent baby Moses down in the basket. In verse 5, Pharaoh's daughter, whose daughter? Pharaoh's let's just like who is this this is the daughter of the guy who made the decree right like that's who we're talking about. Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket sent her slaves to get it when she opened it and saw the baby he was crying she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies she said. Immediately she recognized who he was what was she supposed to do. Technically, she was supposed to drown the baby. So here we are. Our hero was born of the wrong race, condemned and picked up by the very woman whose father made the decree. By all human standards, this doesn't look like it's going to end well, right? Like, we're like, oh, but we know the story and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. When God when God's moving in our life or we look at our life and we're like, well, you don't know where I've come from. You don't know the obstacles. I want to tell you just because your story doesn't start well, doesn't mean our future can't end well. Just because it's not going well doesn't mean by God's divine intervention, it can't go well. God and God alone decides who is meant For what? Your past, the race you were born, no family tree, nothing, nothing, nothing. Somebody hear me today. Nothing can stop God's hand in your life, even when the odds are stacked against. So, we're about to jump to the next portion. We're just going to uh, go through pretty quickly picking up and jumping in uh, to clips of Moses' life that we can learn from. So can I encourage you, church, go study this in its entirety. It is powerful. It is good. There's so much that I have grown from, from this. So go study it. But right now we're kind of picking up and we're um, fast forwarding a little bit to where Moses was a young man. And so, yes, he was picked up. He was by God's favor and grace. And his provision meeting him there, uh, they, he got adopted by that royal family. That princess did raise him. And so then he grows up. He is Israelite by birth, but he's raised as an Egyptian, all right? So we pick it up to where he's walking one day and he uh, sees his own people, an Israelite brother, getting mistreated, getting beaten. And he steps in and he ends up killing, in his defense, he ends up killing one of the Egyptians. And so this is what happens next. This is where we find Moses when his, uh, I guess, adopted granddad finds out, Pharaoh. Verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to what? He tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. This like little, one little verse doesn't, we can just very quickly skip by scripture and miss like the gravity of the situation. I want us to really lean into where Moses is at. He not only lost his birth family, now he is being hunted down by his own adopted grandpa. He's been banished. He's probably confused about where he fits, right? Anybody ever been confused about where you fit? He's totally like, where do I belong? Where do I fit? He is sitting there lost everything, and he sits down by the well, and he's probably exhausted, heartbroken, scared, so many things. I would say Moses is at his rock bottom. And so this is where we find him, and I want to speak to some people right now who feels like they're at rock bottom because something that God reminded me of these past couple weeks through some things that I'm going through is that every day, whether we realize it or not. Somebody comes into our lives, into this church, wherever passes us in the grocery store, and somebody is going through some loss. Somebody is hurting. Somebody feels like they're sitting at the well at rock bottom. And right now, I want to speak to those of you, I don't care if it's one of you, God cares enough to go after the one today. Somebody at rock bottom needs to hear this, but it might be harder than you think. You see, the good news is God met Moses at his rock bottom and he will meet you and I there too. And the truth is that you and I never know. We never know who or what God will use to turn our life around, to start rebuilding it. We never know. We can't see his plan unfold. But I I feel compelled to speak some hard truth If I have the permission today, we're not just here to mess around. We're not just here to play church. We're here to to speak the truth because the truth sets us free. And so today, I'm going to speak some truth into your life that I needed to hear. Yes, God can use us when we're in the mountaintop. Yes, God can make an impact through our lives when we're in the middle. But God can use us so powerfully when we are at rock bottom. He can. He can. So we get to see, we get to see something so inspiring. I feel like this is what truly sets apart a hero of the faith right here. It's not what's been done to you. It's not your circumstance. It's not even how we feel. This right here, what Moses does next has challenged me so much and I want to share it with you. So he's sitting there at the well at rock bottom. Verse 16. Now a priest Of Midian had seven daughters, and these daughters came to draw water and to water their father's flocks. And then the next verse, it says some shepherds, some other shepherds, I'm going to say some jerk shepherds, like they were jerks, they came up and they drove those women away. This was an injustice that was happening. But look at what Moses does. It says, Moses got up, he came to their rescue, and he watered their flocks what did Moses do at his rock bottom? Did he sit there? Did he give up? He got up and he served somebody. I'm not trying to devalidate what you're going through because it's, it's horrible. It stinks. It's the worst. We didn't ask for it. We can be real about what we're going through, but still have the faith and the courage to say, I'm going to serve anyway, right? We never know who or what God will use to turn our life around. Moses could have said, I need to be rescued. I'm tired. I have kind of a lot going on, right? Just lost my family, probably doesn't have any belongings. Somebody else get up and help. I'm the one who needs to be rescued, right? The truth is we can have that mentality. We can be like, but I'm the one in need, so I can't serve. I'm the one who needs something, so somebody needs to reach out to me. I want I to teach you a biblical principle that has rang true in my life, and it's not easy to walk out. God's leading met with our action allows his plan to unfold in our life. No matter where we're at, When we feel God leading, when we see something that God wants us to do to take that next step, met with us getting up and doing it regardless of how we feel, allows for God's supernatural divine plan to unfold. You know what happened for Moses? God used Moses' sacrificial serving, his willingness to get up and help someone else, to build and heal where he was at, to, to heal his heart and to build into his future. You know, remember the like seven daughters? Remember that? Well, pretty sure he got to take one of his pick out of one of them, like, because he married one of them. So like him getting up and doing something allowed God to divinely intervene. And he got to have a wife. He got to have a new family. God restored him a new child. My goodness, it's amazing. But he had to get up, right? He couldn't just sit there. And this is some of the, I'm just going to continue to be transparent with you, church. Some of the times where God, I feel like he has used me the most, made the greatest impact in other people's lives, or some of the, honestly, some of the messages that seem to resonate the most with people, they haven't come from just a place of things are really going good and it's an overflow of the blessing and abundance. Often, it's because of something painful that I'm walking through. And it's like, when I'm lonely... God is like, go be a good friend. Do you hear me? It's like when I'm struggling with something, he's like, you now know exactly how they're feeling, so how much better can you be used to encourage them? And the miracle is, even when I don't want to, even when it's hard, even when I feel like sitting there, when I get up and I help somebody, I actually start to receive the healing and the blessing. That's just what God does. God used Moses' selfless choice to start rebuilding his life. And I believe that's what he's going to do for you as well. Somebody in here, can I encourage you? I'm sorry that you're at rock bottom. I'm sorry that you're going through loss. I am. My heart, my heart goes out to you. I pray God meets you. I pray he heals whatever you're going through. But I also pray you have the courage to get up and step out. Take that next step and serve and not sit there any longer because that's where the enemy wants to keep you. That's not where God has for you. So be released. Somebody get up and serve. So while Moses was building a new life, going probably through the process of some healing uh, back in Egypt, the slavery that was again just abhorrent to God as it always will be was taking place and so he had a plan of rescue and he was putting that into motion and so we're about to see we're about to jump into the next part of Moses' story and we're about to see when God calls Moses to be a part of his rescue plan now why does it matter again why does this matter his response to God Because this great man of God that did all of these things, when God first called him, we're going to get to watch him struggle. We're going to get to watch his answer. And I just want to ask you, When have you been listening for God to call you to the next step? That's the first thing. But then as he does... I want to ask you to really think about where you struggle with, where you wrestle with God, where you're hesitant, where you don't feel enough. So let's watch and let's relate because ultimately I want us to see, hey, if he can do it, so can I, right? So what does our unlikely hero say when God first calls him? Exodus chapter three, verse nine. The cry of the Israelites have reached me. This is God talking to Moses. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now Moses, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses says to God, this is our great hero's response, first response. He says, who am I? Like, who who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring this out of Egypt? In other words, I'm not enough. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm good enough. Like, who, you're, do you know who you're talking to? And God says back to him, and I love this answer. And for those of you who don't feel like enough in any area when God calls you, I believe he wants to speak this to us. He doesn't list off why Moses is qualified. Do you notice? He doesn't say all of the reasons why Moses is capable. What he says is, I will be with you. He says, I will be with you. It is I who has sent you. And then we're gonna just kind of jump in and out of Moses' argument with God, Moses wrestling with God over like the next chapter and a half, and get to see where he struggled. So in verse 13, he asks this question of God. Well, he's like, Well, suppose I go to them and I tell them that you've sent me, but then they ask me this question: Well, what's his name? What shall I say to him? Oh my goodness, somebody needs, is going to relate to this today because as a church leaders, what we hear more often than not, I would say what I've heard more often than not is this kind of excuse right here for not taking the next step of faith. It's what, whether it's, hey, whether it's going across the street and witnessing to your neighbors, whether it's stepping out and serving in kids ministry or leading a life group, all of these things, this is one of the most common threads. What if I don't know the answer to that question? What if I don't know the scripture well enough? What if I don't have the answers of what to say? Anybody hear yourself? I have even been there before early on. What if I don't know how to answer them? And so it holds us back from doing anything. I'm just going to speak some honest truth into your life right now. Number one, if that has been holding you back, how long are we going to say, I don't know the scripture? Open our Bibles. Let's get in the word. Let's put it in our heart so that we can use it. Let's get in the word. Ask someone to disciple you. Start somewhere. I love that Jesus chose the unlearned, those people that, that didn't know. The, think about it. The fishermen, the tradesmen, they didn't know the word of God, but he called them anyways and they said yes, and then that came as a part of spending time with Jesus, right? And that's the same for us. So that's the first one. And then the second one, just don't let it be an excuse anymore our stories, what God has done in my life, what God has done in your life is more powerful sometimes than the textbook answer. Now, this is not an excuse to be lazy, but we don't have to know all the answers to take that next step. If you don't know yet, still take that step and say, guys, there's power in saying, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Right. Let's not be Christians to answer for God when we don't actually know. Let's say, I don't know, but here's what God has done in my life. So I don't know where you relate right there or if that's held you back, but somebody needs to be released from that lie today and start stepping and start getting into the word. So Moses just continues to argue with God. And then we see in verse, let's see. Chapter 4. Verse one, he asked him another question. Exodus chapter four, verse one. He asked him another what if. This is basically like, what if I look stupid? Like that's paraphrasing. What if I look stupid? What if they don't believe me? What if they say this about me? What if they say God didn't really appear to you? Or in other words, you're crazy, right? Has anybody ever felt like, man, what if I look stupid if I do this? I know you want me to go talk to that person, but what if that doesn't go so well? What if it's awkward? Sometimes we have to be willing to set aside the pride of what we're going to look like if things don't go the way we want them to, but yet we're still willing to serve the kingdom of God. Sometimes God will ask us to do things that don't make sense and our pride holds us back because we're afraid to look foolish. Do you know what I say to myself almost every time I get up before I speak? I say, God, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to look like a fool. But ultimately... I don't really care what happens as long as your word pierces hearts and it's used to impact your kingdom. So if I look like a fool, let me look like a fool for you, Jesus. That's what I have to say almost every time, because all of us have these insecurities, right? So we see him arguing. We see him wrestling. We see him asking these questions. Verse 10, real quick, Moses, uh, Moses says back to God, okay, Lord, here's another excuse. Here's another reason, right? you see him struggling? He's like, I have never been eloquent. I have never in the past nor since you've spoken to me. I am slow of speech and tongue. In other words, I don't talk right. I don't talk good. Literally, that's what he's saying to God. I can't talk well. And the Lord says this. Anybody feeling like you don't have the ability to do what you feel called to do? Anybody in here feel like you're not enough or you don't have enough or You just can't do what they can do. Listen to this. He, The Lord says to him, Moses, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives sight to the blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go because I will help you. I will speak and I will teach you what to say. It is okay if we aren't enough. It is okay if I don't feel able I truly believe the the scripture that says, your power is made perfect in my weakness. You know what? It's a good thing if people are like, wow, I didn't expect that. Great, because God's glory will be shown, not mine, right? It's not about what we can do, right? It's about what he can do. So then we're going to jump down to verse 13. And this is where, where I feel like if any of us had Moses on a pedestal, like, I still feel like he needs, like, high honor in heaven and all the things don't get me wrong. But I feel like he gets knocked off the pedestal about now. Because this next verse, I'm just a little bit embarrassed for Moses. Like, I really am. I read this and I was like, oh, huh. Somebody's going to feel a little better about themselves right now. Let me help you out. And verse 13, this is what gets to the heart of his answer. Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Can you send somebody else? Basically, I'll pass, right? I'll pass. I don't want to, right? Sometimes the only thing that's holding us back, I found myself last week here, and I was like, ha, 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 God, this is so funny that I'm speaking about this, right? And like, he's like, are you gonna just speak about it? Are you gonna live it? Because I flat didn't want to do a bunch of the things that I felt like he was calling me to do because I was sitting there, not just sitting there, I was doing stuff, but I was, I was hurting. I was, I was in need. And I just didn't want to. Sometimes we don't want to love that person, right? Sometimes we don't want to forgive that person. Sometimes we're tired of serving and giving and doing. Sometimes the only thing holding us back is we just flat don't want to. And this is powerful and it's such a relief, right? Because this renowned man of God, Moses, felt the same way. But that's not where it ended, and that ultimately didn't stop him. Moses had to overcome his own feelings, his past, racial barriers, obstacles, danger. He had to go through so much. What excuses, what what reasons do we give God for not stepping forward, for not doing whatever he's impressing on your heart to do? Are you doubting yourself? Are you wrestling with maybe what's been done to you? Are you sitting at that well today? I think seeing the real story behind the biblical highlight reel allows us to believe, allows us to just have a stirring of our hearts to say, just like Moses, it's not what's been done. It's not what they said. It's not what I'm going through. It's not how I feel that determines whether I'm going to be a hero of the faith. for oh my God. None of that determines. It's whether we choose to get up anyways. I know it's not easy to hear. Your, your history, your past, none of that has to stop us. It's simply God's leading met with our action, allows for his divine plan to unfold in our life. Every single one of you in this room, every single one of us are called for kingdom impact. Every single one of us has a next step to take. What's holding us back? What's holding us back? As we go into this response time, I want to pray over you. I want to pray for you. I want to, Bible says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. For those who are sitting at that well that are brokenhearted that need the hand up, I just like picture this being the hand from the Lord. Let me help you up. I know it's hard, I know you don't want to, but trust me, get up. I've got more for you. It's not over, it's not done. If you're in this place and you want to take that next step of faith, whatever it is, if you just need some encouragement, right now I'm gonna pray over you. Just lift your hand towards heaven. Lord God, we need you. We need your healing. Lord, the treasure that's in me, the treasure that's in us, when we feel like we can't, when we don't want to, your power in us gives us the courage to get up, to step out, to serve, to love, to try again, God. And we are claiming and believing that your, your plan and your power and your provision in our life will be greater than what we're going through. So out of love for you, God, we say yes. Out of devotion to you alone, God, we try again. We love again. We serve again. God, I pray for the hearts in this room that are hurting, that are heavy. God, you are a father to the fatherless. You comfort those who mourn. Your heart breaks for those who breaks. And that one here that feels like you don't see them, let them know today. You see them. You are walking with them. You will never abandon them. For those that feel oppressed and heavy and stressed out, Lord, we lift our burdens to you and we say we don't want to carry it anymore. But we're still going to show up and trust that you're enough to carry it for us, God. Encourage heal, mend, restore the hearts in this place. We love you and we believe that you've given us this one life. We want to use it regardless of how we feel. We break free from what's been done. We break free from what they have said. And we get up. Please honor those that get up, Lord. Please bless those that get up. Let them know no matter if anyone ever sees them, they've got rewards in heaven waiting for them lined up, God. And it will be worth it. I pray a stirring, a revival, yes, a breakthrough. I pray all of that in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church.
0: Come on. Thank you for that, Nicole. For... Some of you today, you need to take your next step of faith and your next step of faith is is giving your life to Christ or recommitting your life to Jesus. Maybe you've just drifted from the truth and and you've been swallowed up by the things of this life and you just need to make that declaration uh, of faith, your personal declaration of faith today. So I'm going to ask if every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if that's you today, you say, I need to take my next step of faith and commit my life to Christ or recommit my life to Christ. Just slip of a hand. I just want to pray with you today. Yes. Just slip it up and then you can just put it down. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. And I would just ask that we would all help those that are making the greatest decisions of their life today and say this prayer. Repeat after me, dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sins. That you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing.